You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you're on this disciple's journey with me, as this week we've been reading through the book of Esther. I hope you've enjoyed our journey together this week. And today we come to an idea of evangelism from Esther. Let me remind you of some of the context that's been going on. Esther has been promoted uh, through marriage to queen over Persia. And in the midst of this, there has been an enemy named Haman who, hating Mordecai and not uh, not knowing at that time that Esther was a Jew, uh, had the king make an edict that the Jews could be annihilated. They could be killed and uh, and Mordecai finds this plot out. Well, Esther makes this aware to the king, and we see at the end of chapter 7 that they hanged Haman on the gallows, which he had prepared for Mordecai. And so in chapter 8, we've got still this death threat against the Jews. Now, the king had already made proclamation that uh, people could come against the Jews, and so he could not turn that proclamation around. He could not just stop that or cease that edict. So here's what happens in chapter 8, and I want you to pick up with me uh, as we look at evangelism or the the, the gospel and good news from Esther. Uh, Esther chapter 8 verse 1 says, On that day King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had disclosed what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Now, when you jump down, it says in verse 5, Then Esther said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor before him, and the matter seems proper to the king, and I am pleasing in his sight, let it be written to revoke the letters. Uh, Verse 6 says, For how can I endure to see the calamity which will befall my people, and how can I... Endure to see the destruction of my kindred. Now, she asked, revoke the letters. But King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given the house of Haman to Esther, and him uh, they have hanged on the gallows, because he had stretched out his hands against the Jews. Now you write to the Jews as you see fit in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for a decree which is written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's signet ring may not be revoked. So they're not able to take back. This is very important for you to understand. In that day, the context of this and the culture, uh, they could not just revoke that ruling. So here's what happens. In verse 9, it says, So the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, On the twenty-third day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces, which extended from India to Ethiopia, a hundred and twenty-seven provinces, to every province according to its script, and to every people according to their language, as well as to the Jews according to their script and to their language. And writing in the authority of the king, here's what it said. Verse 11, In them the king granted the Jews who were in each and every city the right to assemble and to defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate the entire army of any people or province in which might attack them, including children and women, and to plunder their spoils. On one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. And then, so the couriers take this message out, and then we get um, the results of this. Look in verse <coughs> uh, 16. 
It says, For the Jews there was light and gladness and joy and honor. In each and every province and in each and every city, wherever the king's commandment and his decree arrived, there was gladness and joy for the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many among the peoples of the land became Jews, for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. And then what you get in chapter 9 is the actual attempt against the Jews and their ability to, uh, to rise. It says in verse 16 of chapter 9, now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces assembled to defend their lives and rid themselves of their enemies and kill 75,000 of those who hated them, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. And then we see the Feast of Purim uh, instituted at the end of chapter 9. So in all of this, I want you to uh, connect with me the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have... In the book of Esther, a people, a nation, God's people, who are destined uh, for destruction. They have an enemy against them, Haman, who allows the king to send an edict and an order to uh, to have them killed, and they had no defense. They had no ability to defend themselves. They were a people headed for death and destruction. And the king, in a um, in in an ability to uh, not revoke what he had promised would happen. The enemy was coming, but he gave a defense for the Jews, said, you are able to rise up in my authority. And that's very important. In my authority, you're able to rise up and stand against this enemy. And so this, uh, the, the, the work of Esther and Mordecai is a picture of the work of Jesus Christ, where Christ would take on uh, the enemy, and through the authority of Jesus Christ, every one of us can stand redeemed and 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 face the enemy uh, completely free of sin, death, and the grave and hell. And so, as we read Esther chapter eight, nine, and even ten, my prayer is that you see the gospel shine. That while we had an enemy against us and and our impending destruction, hell, God stepped in to change our fate. And so I want you to see uh, three reasons that the gospel is good news today. When we talk about evangelism, we know that we're talking about sharing the gospel with people. Why is it good news? And there are three reasons we get from this passage. Number one, God can change our ending right now. You and I had death letters on our lives. Uh, the Bible tells us we were destined for a place called hell. In fact, John 3 reminds us that we were, uh, we were condemned already. Christ didn't come into the world to condemn us, but we were condemned already because of our sin. That, that the wages of sin is death. That was our ending. But Christ came to bring us life. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter reminds us, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that verse greatly declares the 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 exchange for the Jews in that day in, in Esther's time where they were in darkness and now brought into marvelous light. I, I've I've said it in uh, uh, Esther chapter nine. We have horror turned to a holiday. We have uh, great weeping turned now to great excitement. 
because God changes their ending, but he also changes their emotions. It says in verse 16, for the Jews, there was light and gladness and joy and honor. It says there was gladness and joy for the Jews, a feast and a holiday. This is reminiscent of Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, where David cries out, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and I heard my cry. And here's what David says happened. Verse 2 and 3, He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and making my footsteps firm, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, and many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. God can change our emotions. He can bring uh, us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And there's some of us that need to be reminded of that, that God's gospel is good news today for us and changes uh, our uh, our ending. It changes our emotions. But then also, look at this. The end of chapter 8 tells us that he can change our enemies. It says, and among many the uh, and many among the peoples of the land became Jews, for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. That they see God in all His glory through the Jews, and they become God fears. I mean, that's what that means when they become Jewish. They are taking on a monotheistic belief in Yahweh, and they. This is where we see the hand of God, is that God is using this as an evangelistic tool to uh, see many people put their faith and trust not only in him, but a future Messiah. And so uh, I, I, I want you to see how God takes a, a young queen who uh, stands up for her people and in doing so brings salvation to the land. Again, she is not the hero of the story. Christ is the hero of the story because this points people to Christ and what he has done for us. Christ can change your ending, your emotions, and yes, your enemies. God can take the very people in your life that you, uh, that, that, you may, that may be against you and may be persecuting you, and he can turn them into uh, your own brother or sister in Christ. He did it with Saul, turned to Paul as an apostle. From murderer to missionary, from accuser of the brethren to apostle, God can do it with every single one of, uh, of us. And I want to bring uh, to your attention one of the most important verses in chapter 8, and it has become for me uh, a, a reminder of our responsibility. Look at Esther chapter 8, verse 14. It says, The couriers, or the messengers, hastened and impelled by the king's command, went out riding on the royal steeds, and the decree was given out at the citadel in Susa. This word tells us that the messengers went everywhere they were commanded, and they went quickly. And is that not what we are called to do as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who are chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for God's own possession? We have been called to go everywhere and to go quickly. That is is the responsibility we have because the good news is only good if it gets there in time. As we close out our episode on evangelism, I want to give you our throwback Thursday moment in church history. And this uh, comes at the end of the 11th century. In 1093, we are introduced to a man, a great theologian by the name of Anselm. 
A-N-S-E-L-M. Uh, and he becomes the Archbishop of Canterbury. Now, the way that this works out is, uh, and Sam grew up, uh, his father really wanted him to go into politics, but he uh, did not follow that path. He went and he joined a monastery and served in Beck in Normandy. Uh, and while there, um, during this time, uh, historically, we know that William uh, of Normandy, William the Conqueror, conquered England in uh, 1066. Well, his son comes to the throne, William II, and he makes Anselm the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1093. And in doing so, um, they instead of this being a good union between politics and religion, they were actually divided because uh, William II, his desire as king was to uh, appoint clergy as he wished and to take money from the church, and that included land. Uh, and so Anselm stood against this. Anselm was a very humble uh, man, but a bold man in the faith, but a humble uh, 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 humbly wanting God to, uh, to, to be glorified and people to be taken care of. Well, William II ex- exiles Anselm to Italy for a while. And so uh, when William II ceases to be king, his brother Henry I uh, begins to reign, and Anselm comes back to England and is there with him for a while. And then ultimately, he's going to be exiled again because Henry I does the exact same thing. However, in the midst of all this time, Anselm used his time wisely for the glory of God. Uh, he becomes one of the greatest archbishops of Canterbury. He shepherds God's people well, uh, and he contributed to theological studies by writing several books. Um, one of those books was uh, entitled Cur Deus Homo, which in English is Why Did God Become Man? And and this is, uh, I, I love this book. I've read it several times uh, his his works uh, it promoted the view of satisfaction theory of atonement in which uh, God uh, Christ died to satisfy uh, the the need. Uh, the God's wrath and the need for atonement for mankind. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, we see that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And so Anselm does a wonderful work on that, um, that atonement theory. Uh, he also wrote a book called Proslogium, which uh, uh, originally was entitled Fides Karen's Intellectum, or Faith Seeking Understanding. And it's in this work that we get the famous statement of Anselm, I believe in order to understand. Anselm was not a was not rejecting logic. Anselm was one of the greatest uh, 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 theologians in using faith and reason, logic. Uh, what he was saying was that uh, belief has to be a foundation in order to understand uh, the things of God, and so there is a uh, there is faith and reason. Faith and reason do not work against one another. Faith and logic, but they work together. But you must begin with faith. And Anselm also became uh, very famous theologically by providing uh, what we know today as the ontological argument for God, uh, the belief that um, God's existence can be proven uh, for, for the existence of God. Uh, uh, God's existence can be proven uh, because there is a 
there's knowledge of a perfect uh, God, and if there is knowledge, then a perfect being uh, and and higher being, then that ne- necessitates the existence of that higher being. And this has uh, been widely debated and and studied for uh, about about a thousand years. And so, as we think about this moment in church history. Think about this person, Anselm, who, because of him, we see a pastoral heart as an archbishop who shepherded the people well, loved them, and took care of them, but also a great theological mind in which you and I are benefiting from even today. So, Anselm, taking up the uh, the uh, example of uh, the couriers in the book of Esther, going everywhere that he was commanded and going quickly to share the gospel, may we also take that same approach. Why? Because the gospel is good news. God can change our ending. He can change our emotions. He can change our enemies. And it's only good news if it gets to the people in time. So let us be faithful to share that great and good gospel of Jesus Christ. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.